It is the end of the second week of 2022, and over 324 hours have happened so far. Not everyone has experienced the exact same situation so far, but it's perhaps quite certain that the year to date has not been quite what people expected. What do people expect? I have no specific knowledge, but listeners and readers of Charlottesville Community Engagement have come to expect a lot of information stitched together in a reasonable manner. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the U.S. Supreme Court says a plan to require American businesses to require a vaccine is not constitutional. Governor Ralph Northam makes a lot of announcements in his final hours in office. The General Assembly continues to interview Governor Glenn Youngkin's top appointments and an update on the pandemic. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Jazz Society at seavillejazz.org is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all that jazz. And while this might not be the time to go out and listen to people who love to play, it's a great time to learn about the musicians in the area. The Charlottesville Jazz Society website is dedicated to enriching your experience of jazz within the Charlottesville community and beyond. Go visit seavillejazz.org. And if you'd like to get a mention in this space, consider a $25 a month Patreon contribution. Details are at infoseville.com under the Support the Info section. The United States Supreme Court has rejected a bid by the Biden administration to require most businesses to mandate vaccines by using the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. The 6-3 ruling states that OSHA does not have enforcement authority. Here's a section from the ruling in National Federation of Independent Business versus OSHA. Although Congress has enacted significant legislation addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, it has declined to enact any measures to what OSHA has promulgated here. The ruling called the mandate a significant encroachment and that OSHA only has the power to set workplace safety standards but not to issue broad public health measures. To the majority of justices, COVID-19 is not an occupational hazard but instead can spread wherever people can gather. That kind of universal risk is no different from the day-to-day -day dangers that all face from crime, air pollution, or any number of communicable diseases. The case was consolidated with another in which 27 states sought a stay against OSHA. There are currently 27 Republican governors. The six justices on the majority were all appointed by Republican presidents. The three dissenting justices were all appointed by Democratic presidents who argue in their dissent that the majority seriously misapplies the applicable legal standards. However, in another case, the Supreme Court ruled on a 5-4 to four vote that the Secretary of Health and Human Services does have the authority to require that healthcare and assisted living facilities that receive Medicare and Medicaid can impose a COVID vaccine mandate. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 17,219 cases, and the percent positivity remains at 35.8%. These are among the highest levels of the pandemic. There are 3,845 people in Virginia hospitals with COVID, 656 of whom are in intensive care units, and 360 are on ventilators. Dr. Kosti Safri is Director of Hospital Epidemiology at the University of Virginia Health System, where there continues to be COVID patients. 
we are seeing that about 75% of those individuals um, are not vaccinated. Um, the remaining 25% um, typically are immune suppressed or have pre-existing conditions that put them at high risk for COVID, things like heart failure, heart disease, um, you know, advanced uh, diabetes and other, and other medical problems like that. Um, and um, often while those people have been uh, vaccinated, they're um, often not boosted. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 470 new cases today, and the percent positivity is at 29%. These are among the highest numbers of the pandemic so far, and the sustained effort can be a struggle for healthcare workers. Wendy Horton is the chief executive officer at UVA Health. We're two years in, and, and people are exhausted, and I think from time to time, we saw glimmers of hope that uh, we, we may be seeing the end of the tunnel. And, and it's more intense, at least for us here in Charlottesville, than it's, it's ever been. And so, um, you know, I, I think people are tired. Um, they're, they're really trying the best to serve our patients and our community. Um, and at the same time, uh, personally impacted this time around. This morning, the Bodo's Trio of Bagel Shops announced they will now offer food on a takeout-only basis. As the hours of his government tick away, Governor Ralph Northam continues to make announcements, including the award of $8.2 million in projects to reduce homelessness. Northam directed the funding to come from the Virginia Housing Trust Fund to go toward about 100 projects across the Commonwealth. These include about $220,000 to the Valley Community Services Board for a project called Rapid Rehousing Youth and $150,000 for Miriam's House Community First program in the Bedford area. In all, Northam has issued over a dozen announcements of activities in his final week, including a wind energy partnership with Denmark, land acquisition for the Chickahominy tribe, $267 million investment in a paperboard recycling plant in Chesapeake, and $60 million in affordable and special needs housing loans. On that latter matter, Piedmont Housing Alliance will receive $3.4 million for 70 units at Southwood Apartments. Virginia Supportive Housing received $2.5 million for 80 units at the Premier Circle Project. And the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority received $2.4 million for the second phase of the South Street redevelopment. Over in Waynesboro, the South River Development Corporation got $2 million for the redevelopment of the Brandon Hotel for senior units. Northam also announced that the Commonwealth of Virginia has signed an agreement with Norfolk Southern to expand passenger service to Christiansburg as part of the Western Rail Initiative. Earlier this week, the Virginia Passenger Rail Authority approved the deal, which will see the state purchasing 28 miles of right-of-way between Salem and Christiansburg. The announcement also states that a second train will be added to the Northeast Regional Service between Roanoke and Boston sometime later this year. No specific date is mentioned. To see all of the projects in the Transforming Rail in Virginia initiative, click through in the newsletter to an interactive map. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. Today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement goes out to Camp Albemarle, which has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. 
Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarlevaorg slash donate. We're on day three of the General Assembly, and as the morning began, not one of the 1,919 bills had been rejected. That's mostly because committees are just meeting, organizing, and interviewing members of Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin's cabinet. That included Fauquier County Sheriff Bob Mosier, who was interviewed by the House Public Safety Committee this morning. That included this question from Delegate Angelia Williams-Graves, a Democrat from the 90th District. What is your position with regard to bias training? Is it something that you support or is it something that you don't, don't feel is necessary? Oh, no, we have it. I mean, it's part of our programs. Remember, I talked about accreditation a few moments ago. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. So, I mean, these are all things that um, are doable. Again, if we can uh, pull the resources together to properly train people, right, into, uh, for accreditation and salaries, all the different things, and we get a, a better law enforcement officer across the board, so... Um, that's absolutely part of the program. In the newsletter, there's a link to the full meeting. Later in the morning, the House Privileges and Elections Committee interviewed Kay Cole James, Youngkin's nominee for Secretary of the Commonwealth. That person has many tasks, including finding people to be appointed to the hundreds and hundreds of slots on boards, commissions, and councils. The position also oversees clemency petitions and the restoration of civil rights. Here's Kay Cole James. When I look at that office, the first thing I think about is that the Secretary of the Commonwealth, with its constituent services, is the portal for many Virginians to bring before the governor their concerns, their complaints, their anxieties, or something they want to just have an audience about or to hear. James served as the director of the U.S. Office of Personnel Management in the first term of President George W. Bush, an experience she cited in her testimony to the House Privileges and Elections Committee. James said she looked forward to other duties that come with the office. Very often what gets overlooked and is an important part of this particular job as well is looking at restoration of rights and pardons. And I want you to know that both on a personal level and a professional level, that is very important to me. Many of the questions from delegates followed up on that point. In response to one, James said the key is to find employers who are willing to hire those re-entering society. Delegate Schuyler Van Valkenburg, a Democrat from the 72nd District, asked James how the new administration would change the past eight years of policy. You know, we've had two governors in a row who have, who have really kind of accelerated rights restoration and done more than previous, previous governors. And, and I wonder if, if the plan of this administration is to continue on that path. I want to make it clear it's not about numbers. It's about people. 
And every single request that comes into that office will be given great consideration. Van Valkenburg also asked James for her position on bills calling for a constitutional amendment to guarantee that restoration of rights be automatic. In the House, there are both H.J. 9 and H.J. 28, each filed by a member of a different party. Uh, I don't want to opine on the legislation. I have not seen it. I don't know what it is. Uh, I will operate well within the confines of the law, whatever it is that you and the General Assembly, along with the governor, decide. And at the end of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, there are 1,925 bills pending, and none of them have yet failed. It's bound to happen very soon. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for January 14th, 2022. Thanks again for listening and thanks for being here, hopefully all week. Uh, This, of course, is uh, a newsletter and podcast that uh, really uh, just gets put together every single day based on information that I think uh, is pertinent. Uh, You'll notice there's been a lot of statewide news. Well, that's because at this particular time, everything is about to change in Virginia. And I'm trying to figure it out for myself. And hopefully that can help you guys who are listening and reading. We have unprecedented access to the General Assembly, and I am going to take advantage of that to try to understand much of how it works myself and bring you that information as often as I can. In the next installment, though, we will definitely be covering lots of stuff locally. There will not be another newsletter slash podcast until Monday, but there will be the week ahead newsletter that comes out on Sunday. If you do find some benefit from this program, do go to infocville.com and click on the support the info button and you can find ways to support the program the most important thing you can do of course is to forward it on to somebody else share it on facebook or social media or something like that um heck i'm not i'm not sure what other people do i am sean tubbs and i am sure that i will be back in the near future with more of this i am glad to do this and i'm glad to have you along listening and i hope that you are safe i hope you're prepared for this particular winter storm that we may or may not get and i certainly do hope that i can continue to bring you information um, and i'm going to prepare to do that even if the power goes out thanks again for listening and see you soon.